right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. <clears throat> we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, and we're going to be joined what? by the voice of the Jayhawks in about half an hour from right now. We also have a lie detector test. We've got a fun game with Texas State Fair Foods that's going on this weekend, so we'll get to that. And we have plenty of audio. Brian Borland, defense coordinator. Andy Kolenicki, offense coordinator. we got some player audio we want to get to first. Before we get into our normal Thursday segment, Fun with Numbers, as we'll be talking KU football, uh, there are some updates on the quarterback position or reports, if you choose to believe them. Um, yep. and, and it's actually funny because... There are a lot of people replying to this tweet from Brett McMurphy with, I'll believe it when he takes the field, or we've been told this before, and, and all sorts of stuff. Oh. Anyway, uh, here's what Brett McMurphy reported earlier today. Kansas QB Jalen Daniels. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, I was reading the wrong one. I was reading the old one. Oh, said my. Something oh. About the old Jalen Daniels one from earlier this year from Brett McMurphy. Because <laughs> I've been a lot. Here's the newest one. Kansas QB Jason Bean will make his third start of the season versus UCF, sources told Action Network. Jalen Daniels, preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, missed last week's game versus Texas with back issues, and his availability versus UCF will be determined Saturday. So, okay. A lot of Question. questions there. Yeah. What? Okay. You can't open the tweet by saying Jason Bean's going to start and then end it with Jalen Daniels available will return Saturday. So yeah. you don't really know. So you, you don't know. Oh, because wait. Nobody Daniels, knows. If Jalen Daniels is determined to wow. be active Saturday, then Jalen Daniels would probably start, <laughs> wouldn't you think? Wow. So it's almost like a long way of saying, Anything I don't know, just like everybody else. Yes. Although I think we both agree, and I think McMurphy would probably agree with this assessment, that it sounds like Jason Bean is more than likely going to be the starter, but it's not a guarantee. Correct. And I think that's the way I've been leaning all week long anyway, to be honest, that Jason Bean's going to be the starter. Um, if they end up saying after the game Saturday that Jalen was cleared to play, but he doesn't play, that would be either a lie or it would be <laughs> well, stupid. Okay, so UCF just did that last week with uh, with Plumlee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gus Malzahn said that Plumlee was cleared, on, cleared okay. whatever that means, on Friday, but they still played McLean against... So it was Taylor. either a lie or it was stupid. I, maybe, One I don't of know. the two. Or, or, you're so either think, basically... This well, is what okay. you're either saying. You you're either lying about it or you were saying, hey, our starting quarterback, who we deemed to be better, was able to play, but we decided not to because we want to play the worst guy. So, so you're either lying or you stupid. You circle back to... If you remember right, Lance Leipold said a lot of things to, the similar, to similar effect before the Missouri State game, or after the Missouri State game, where he was basically like, and I view that as a lie. Jalen could have played, but we didn't give him enough reps, and so we didn't play him. And I think that's what Gus Malzahn was going with as well when he when he said that Plumlee was cleared on Friday. But then, see, what happens is you eventually devolve into semantics of, well, what the hell does cleared mean? Cleared to yeah. run? Cleared to throw the ball? Cleared to do, you know, but not cleared to play? Like, what are we, like, what are we doing at that takeoff. point? Cleared for takeoff. Cleared to fly on the team plane. No, I don't know, man. Um... 
Yeah. So I guess sort of a non-update, but sort of goes in line with the thinking on Jason Bean. Uh, oh, Lance Leipold also nothing I love more than non-updates updates. Yeah, he said last night on Hawk Talk, which you could have hear, heard right here on KLWN, that uh, he believes John Rice Plumley will start a quarterback for UCF. Mm. And factor all this together, there has been some big movement on the betting line today. Yep. Kansas originally opened up as like three-point favorites, two-and-a-half-point favorites over UCF. It is now UCF is favored by a point-and-a-half. So this could be a reaction by the betting public to be like, Kansas on the second string, UCF back to the first string. I will say this, though. Um, when you look at the numbers, Timmy McClain was actually throwing the ball better than John Rice Plumley. Yes. Plumley a better runner. Yes. And then... When you look at it, like Jason Bean, at least at times last year, like filled in admirably and had some great games. I actually looked at the numbers comparing just John Rice Plumley to Jason Bean. Uh, John Rice Plumley has been at UCF two years. So this is his second year there. His first year was last year. He has a 64% completion rate. Jason Bean in the last two years. So if we go last year and this year at Kansas, 63.7. Jason Bean, 9.1 yards per attempt. Plumley, 7.8. Um, Jason means 17 passing touchdowns, the four interceptions. Plumley 17 passing touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Now Plumley does have 12 more rushing touchdowns. Bean has four more. Uh, Plumley about 70 rushing yards per game in starts. Jason Bean about 40 rushing yards per game in starts. And then last year their total QBR, Bean was at 84.7, and uh, Plumley was at 74.5. You could make the argument that honestly, even if it is Bean versus Plumley, it still is about the same guy. It's just that Plumley's maybe slightly better of a runner, and Bean maybe a little bit better of a passer. Yeah, and when you look at what KU has struggled with this season, it's been rushing quarterbacks. And so I've kind of flip-flop on this. Earlier in the week, in my head, I was thinking, well, hell, maybe it's better for KU if McLean starts because he's not so much of a runner as Plumley is. But now, I, now I'm to the point where I'm starting to think maybe, maybe it doesn't really matter, to be honest. I mean, I think, I think both quarterbacks are, are pretty, pretty solid, pretty quality players. McLean actually leads the Big 12 in a lot of passing stats, yards per attempt, completion, uh, or how, yards per completion, things like that. So he's he's a guy that's not afraid to throw the ball and has definitely shown that he is capable of, of doing so at a decently high level uh, in the time that he's filled in replacing Plumlee. And so it's it's tough, right? I mean, I think either one of those guys is probably going to have, have an opportunity to be successful against KU and uh, the betting public maybe sees Plumlee as a starter and thinks, oh, SEC, Ole Miss, you know, now he's at UCF. Surely he's better than McLean. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. All right, well, uh, let's get to our fun with numbers segment. Nick, are you having fun? Uh, yeah, I'm having a great time. Okay, good. Uh, first up, I don't normally have fun with numbers, but I'll have fun today. KU is putting up 33 points per game right now. Good number overall, but that's actually – Less than they were last season. So we went into this year going, you know, this is one of the, the better offenses in the Big 12, and I still think that to kind of be the case. Obviously, when you you know miss games with Jalen Daniels, that'll hurt, but you did last year too, and you were okay. Um, are you worried at all that the offense has maybe regressed a little bit? You know, it's tough to say. It <sighs> Maybe you're just not – maybe it's the same. You're know, just not getting like, some of the same roles or something. Yeah, I don't it know. it feels like the offense hasn't really – I mean, I guess besides the first half of the Illinois game, it feels like the offense has not really had an opportunity to fully get explode yes, and score like you know yes, sixty get to points their, or fifty get points to what we believe their ceiling is. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't know. Some of that might have to do with the fact that you haven't really gotten the receivers involved maybe as much as you'd like. Mason Fairchild's a guy that hasn't really been involved as much as you'd like, and obviously, I mean, I think you can definitely point to sort of the the flip flopping at quarterback position that probably impacts the offense negatively in terms of 
what they what their ceiling could be. But but yeah, man. I mean, listen, you're you're five games into the season, and it feels like the offense is yet to put together a full game of playing at a high level for four quarters, uh, which is uh, which is I think can be a little bit frustrating for for KU fans. So that's it's disappointing, and I I don't I don't it's hard to pinpoint exactly why that's the case, right? I mean, I don't think they're playing actually running the elite. ball seemingly better than last year. Yeah, yeah. It's, At least it's, the running backs. There's not as much quarterback run, but yeah. Yeah, so it's it is a bit I mean, and listen, like like thirty three points per game, that's that's pretty good. I mean, I guess well, I don't know. It's probably about average in yeah. the I mean, I think we had the we had the discussion last year, right? The an average offense, like the sixtieth best offense in the country last year averaged like what, twenty nine points per game, I think? Or thirty points per game. Yeah. So if you're at thirty three, you're above average, but you're not what we were expecting. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say there were like eighty teams or something like that who put up like thirty or more points per game. Now, obviously, yeah. Kansas plays at a slower tempo, so just inherently, you're going to have less points, and, and maybe that's part of it. That you know, you already played a slower tempo. Now there's less plays per game by a few because of some of the timing differences from from this year to last Remember, year. Remember, you're averaging thirty three points per game, and in the BYU game, you had two touchdowns come from your defense. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So it'd be even lower with yeah, just just from the offense. Yeah, so I I don't know what it is. I don't know. We'll we'll see if that number goes up this week. Um, maybe uh, some of the scheduling you're going to get some opportunity for that to really go up. Obviously, UCF is a really good offense, and they're going to put up you would think a lot of points. They play fast, so you're going to have a lot of possessions for a chance to to add to that. But also uh, with a backup quarterback, uh, Jason Bean last game against Texas had a 17 QBR, and um, that is one of the lowest of his careers. His completion percentage one of the lower ones we we've seen. These are these are KU completion percentages from the quarterbacks by game so far this season. 79, 72, 78, 74, 43 to last game. Yeah. That's not all on Jason Bean. You need more pass blocking, you need guys to catch the ball like Trevor yeah. Wilson, Get but some, uh, some of it is still on Jason Bean and you hope with a week of of extra prep that that number does go up. Um yeah. but the last 2 weeks if you're looking at reasons maybe the KU offense has you know, he's averaging lower points per game right now than they were last year. Well, I mean, you only have 266 passing yards over the last two weeks combined. They, they have to figure out a way to get the passing game going. Yeah, and it's funny you mention that because I think in a game like this, you would look in at the rushing attack as maybe what you need, but you do want to find that balance, right? I mean, you go by the numbers. These are the top two rushing offenses in the, in the conference, UCF and Kansas. And conversely, these are two of the bottom five rushing defenses in the conference by yards per game. BYU or UCF is the third worst rushing defense in the conference, giving up 157 yards per game. Kansas is only two spots ahead of them, giving up 142 yards per game. So you've got the two best rushing attacks against two of the bottom five rushing defenses uh, in the conference going up in this game. And so that's I think where you look, where you maybe you your eyes jump to on the stat sheet, but kind of like you mentioned with with Kansas. It does feel like you want to get the passing game going. It does feel like, you know, you're not getting the ball enough to your wide receivers, right? I mean, Luke Grimm is a guy that I think we we both believe is is an NFL type player. Lawrence Arnold is somebody we think could maybe have an explosive season, and it just hasn't really come to fruition yet. Quentin Skinner is obviously a, a great deep threat that hasn't really converted. Mason Fairchild has been a guy that coming into the season we thought was going to be utilized more, and it hasn't really been the case thus far. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, even though you go into the game and you look at UCF's rushing defense and the, the KU's running backs and you think, well, this is a game where you should be able to control the game on the ground, but 
I think, yeah, you do want to still have that passing element to this game that you're looking for. Uh, moving over to the defensive side of the ball as part of our fun with numbers here. Austin Booker and Jeremy Robinson so far this year have a combined 11 tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks. It's, I, I guess, all, all offseason long we had the conversation, could Jeremy Robinson or could one player turn into what you had with Lonnie Phelps? Well, what happens when you have two of them and now you have a better, I guess, duo than maybe you've had in a long, long time? Yeah, I think the question... All offseason, we, we talked a lot about with the Lonnie Phelps situation was either one of two things. Either is Jimmy Robinson going to just step up and be Lonnie Phelps in terms of production, or is it going to be more of a by committee where maybe you have some other guys that step up? Well, now, kind of like you alluded to, Jimmy Robinson's putting up great numbers, and you have another guy in Austin Booker putting up great numbers. So it's, it's, a little, it's actually both. Jimmy Robinson is putting up good numbers like we thought he might, and on top of that, you're getting great numbers being put up by other players as well. So... And, uh, you know, Brian Boylan touched on it. KU, in the transfer portal, has really hit very well on all of their D-line guys, mm-hmm. right? They went out aggressively in the offseason after Lonnie Phelps left and said, where's the position group that we need to get some dudes? Defensive line. Then you go out, you get Austin Booker. You get Patrick Joyner. You even added Dylan Brooks late. You had Devin Phillips. They went out and, and got some dudes, Gage Keys also, and – They've all panned out pretty well so far for Kansas. And similarly to last season, which we drew this parallel in the preseason, last season it was the wide receiver room for KU. Is the wide receiver room going to be a weakness? Ended up being really, really solid and being a strength. This season, coming into the game, coming into the season. Oh, what's all the questions are on the D-line? What's happening with the D-line? And they've done nothing but perform at a high to elite level, basically and maybe been your best position group, certainly on the defense, I think, to this point. I mean, I think that's fair, right? You Mm -hmm. would agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about duos of defensive linemen for KU, I mean, because you've had years where one guy's great, you probably have to go back to Daniel Wise and Dorrance Armstrong for when you you felt this comfortable with two guys. But even then, that wasn't two guys off the edge. And it is different coming off the edge, not that the interior guys aren't important. Like, Devin Phillips has been really good, and he's been important on the interior. But those exterior guys are the ones with the best chance to go get the sacks, and they're getting the the one-on-ones most often because if you're really good on the inside, you can get double-teamed, and, and it's just easier to you know get a traction and, and have a running back chip in or, or something like that. Um, so to have both those guys on the outside, I mean, think about that. That puts you on pace for, what, a 25, something like that, tackles for loss, and... I don't know, like 18, 19 sacks from two guys. Like yeah. as a team last year, you had what, like 21, 22? Sacks? Yeah. Was it less than that? Was it like 18? Uh, yeah, well, I was trying to think t- tackles for loss. You had 29, I think, tackles for loss. No, they had more than that. Because they, um, they averaged like four and a half. Oh, okay. So they, I think it was 4.7 was the number that, that they ended up averaging. So they were in the 50s for tackle for loss. But gotcha. to that point... That means these guys are on pace for almost 25 tackles for loss this season just between the two of them. That would be basically half your total from last year just from the two guys, what they're putting up and being a wrecking crew so far this year. Yeah. Um, Now, this, I think, is kind of interesting because in trying to reset your mind, it's it's really hard with what you just saw to be like, "Uh, I don't know about the defense now, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Well, the most total yards KU had given up in a game prior to the Texas game was 366. They almost allowed more than that to Texas rushing or passing on either one. And, and, you know, looking back as we continue to look at that, like maybe that just does speak better about Texas than it does about any problems with the KU defense. Like if the KU defense, I think, holds UCF to 28 points 
Or, you feel pretty good. Yeah, I think you do feel good. If you hold you UCF really to good. who's averaging 550 yards per game, if you hold them to 430 yards, I think you feel good. Yeah, I think it'll just come down to how KU handles tempo. And they haven't handled it particularly great in the past under Brian Borland. Uh, but and I'm sure UCF is going to go to it. And you know, I, I don't I don't I'm not saying that you're you know, we're using the heat as an excuse for the KU defense wearing down against Texas, but guess what? You're not gonna have that excuse this week against UCF, right? It's gonna be sixty five, weather's gonna be great. So you you've got to just buckle down and find a way to stop the the tempo that UCF runs because they're, they're going to line up, and, and they will go quickly, and that's part of the reasons why they're successful with their rushing attack is they just get back, and they just keep coming at you and coming at you. And so that's something Kansas has to be aware of, and I'm sure they are, and they that I think will be probably one of the defining factors of how well KU's defense plays on Saturday is how they handle the tempo. Yes, and to be clear, I'm actually looking right now, like plays per game, UCF is not a team who, like it's not as much as Oklahoma. Oklahoma's putting up, you know, around 80 plays per game. UCF is closer to, like, high 60, 70 mark. I do think some of that, though, is with the backup quarterback. They are a team that's not going to run hurry up every drive. Yeah, like, Oklahoma's going to run hurry up, like, every drive. Yeah, right? they'll do it all the time. They're going to mix it in here or there. But, yeah, the drives that they do, we've seen KU struggle with that, and you have to be able to uh, kind of counter that if you're Kansas and, and be able to. Uh, I guess this is one of those games. KU likes to sub in a lot of players. It's going to be one of those games where it's, like, the starters, the guys who are out there, you got to be in condition. You got to be able to maintain out there if you're not able to sub, and uh, yeah, that's where the I don't know, like depth is still important because you'll have different drives where you start those other guys, but you have to be able to maintain a little bit longer per drive as opposed to maybe subbing out every couple of plays in this one. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. RCST brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. We've got the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joining us later this hour. We've got some football audio with the two coordinators, some players coming up. We've also got uh, plenty more content coming throughout the show on RCST. Uh, Mama's Tamale Shop hosting High School Sports Weekly tonight from 6 to 7. Check it out after the show. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN and joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. KU takes on UCF kickoff at 3 o'clock, Crimson and Blue show coverage at 1.30. You can hear it all right here on KLWN. You can hear kickoff and 2.30 start for pregame over on 105.9 KISS. Uh, Brian, thanks for hopping on again today. Let, let's start with uh, kind of going back to the Texas game. Obviously not the result KU wanted uh, what were some of your biggest takeaways from from that game moving forward for the rest of the season? Well, gosh, moving forward for the rest of the season is tough because I, I hope that's the type of performance that you can learn from but don't read a ton into. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I've never seen a situation where in a game of, of that hype and uh, in a high-profile stage, you know, two top 25 teams, ABC primetime slot at 2.30 there, uh, that, that you have maybe the biggest star in the game uh, have a setback in a pregame walkthrough at the team hotel. You just don't see that. And consequently, it sends you into a tailspin that you know made it a really difficult day for the Jayhawks. My, my takeaways from Saturday are it's a six-point game with 425 to go in the third because your defense, though forced to be out there twice as much as their counterparts, had bent but hadn't broken, and, and it kept you in the game, forcing field goal attempts, coming up with a late first-half pick when Clinton Ewers hadn't thrown a pick in 245 pass attempts. I mean, you're in the game, and 
you go from being the number one team in the country in third down conversion percentage to 0 for 8 on third downs. The offense can't stay on the field. And, and a lot of that was set in motion by just a, a really difficult hand to be dealt that forced Jason Bean into an unenviable spot. And even with you know finding out 20 or 30 minutes before kickoff that he's the guy, um, yeah, I still feel like there's things that KU could have executed better that would have allowed him to settle in quicker. He had two drops in, in those first couple of drives that if either play is made, who knows if, if he's able to settle into a better rhythm and, and go down there and have a bigger day. If, if they convert on the fourth and less than a foot uh, at that 425 juncture in the third quarter and go down and score and take the lead, is the defense a little more well-rested and energized at that point? Do we settle in for a back-and-forth fourth quarter that, that ends up being a shootout? To me, the game was a lot closer than the final score would indicate. And I know the yards differential piled up big time by the time it was all said and done. But my takeaway is you were right there in it against a team that could compete for a national title. And we may look back on this a couple of months from now and think, man, what a missed opportunity. But what sets you behind the eight ball on the entire day was such an unpredictable, unforeseen, and out of left field setback to have a you know a back injury flare up in the pregame hotel walkthrough. It's just it's nothing we're used to covering and it's maybe something we'll have to be mindful of going forward because with the nature of a back ailment, it's pretty tenuous and can flare up at any time. But it just it really put a damper on a day that had a chance to be KU's big moment to, to thrust themselves into the big soft title conversation. But I walk away from it, Derek and Nick, um, not feeling like anything was hugely lost within this season because all your goals are still in front of you. It's, it's a, a decision that was largely forecast by many in terms of, of losing that game. It may not have happened in the fashion that we wanted to see, but when you and I talked a couple of weeks ago about going 3-1 and one in the first month, the road trip to Austin, you know, then you was largely the game that everybody had penciled as the loss. And then the other three were the games that you thought maybe KU would win. So it's all still there for the taking. It's all right out in front of this team. They just have to bounce back and, and uh, you know, win the games they're supposed to, particularly at home. And, and you'll be right back in the thick of it. But there were a lot of things that went into Saturday being not what we would have expected. And, and some of those were controllable and some of them weren't. You learn from the things that you can change and, and you try to hope for better fortune on the other. And I think both of those things will be in KU's favor going forward. Well, KU takes on UCF this weekend. And, you know, similar to Texas, it's one of the better offenses in the Big 12. And um, obviously that'll be a challenge in its own right. I think uh, not quite as much uh, on the defensive end of the, the side, though there are some uh, really good, talented players on that end, too, for UCF. Uh, how difficult, though, to the UCF offense? How, how difficult do you think that's going to be to slow down for the KU defense? And what do you think would be a good game for the KU defense uh, against one of the premier offenses in the conference? Well, I, I don't know if you want to quantify that in terms of yards or points or what, but clearly this is one of the best team speed opponents we'll face all year, and they're going to always be that. I mean, located where they are in one of the most talent-rich states in the country, uh, they're going to have great athletes every year so long as Gus Mel's on to top that program. They already had that before they had major conference college football status, and so it's only going to get better from here. I had a chance to do their bowl game a couple of years ago when they beat Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, 
and I was super impressed with the product they had on the field back then. And that same season, a kid by the name of Dylan Gabriel left their program to transfer to Oklahoma. So they've been getting guys for a while. Just imagine you know, now that they're major conference, you know what they're going to be able to reel in and some of the recruiting battles they'll be able to win with better resources and higher profile you know, program placement and that kind of thing. So I, I think it's a team that will offer as, as much athleticism and speed as we've seen this side of Texas. And uh, you know, when you look specifically at the explosiveness of their ground attack, it's number three nationally in rushing offense per game, and the total offense numbers are number five nationally. I mean, this is a team that can beat you with a lot of explosive plays, no matter who's back there at quarterback, whether it's Plumlee or McLean. You know, they've got really skilled, talented, explosive weapons at all the skill positions. So I think that that's going to be exciting to see how Kansas matches up in that regard. And honestly, I, I think they're built in, in very similar ways to how the Jayhawks are. With you know, Kansas being a team that has multiple explosive running backs, has multiple quarterback options. Both defenses are preparing for both quarterbacks this week. And so there's some good similarities in this regard. But how Kansas is able to contain their speed on the edge how they help uh, limit some of the plays of 10 to 20, the, the explosive play type yards are, are going to go a long way. And, and, you know, it may be another one of those games like Saturday where you give up a lot of first downs and a lot of yards. But when it comes time to draw that line in the sand and, and advance no further and, and settle for field goals instead of, you know, seven-point drives, does Kansas do what they did for the better part of three quarters in Austin and eventually get off the field? I think without a doubt, the Kansas offense is going to play better complementary football with more sustained drives of our own. So the defense should be fresher. The temperature is going to be about 30 degrees cooler more than likely, so you're not going to be gassed like you were a week ago in Austin. And so I don't think the defense will be nearly as exhausted late. And the time of possession should be much more even up than what it was down there. So I think for all those reasons, the defense should be in better position to contend and compete. And hopefully, like I said, in complimentary football, not just in terms of time of possession, but field position, all of that should be much more favorable for you a week later, which is why I think the Jayhawks have a much better chance to win. You touched on the UCF quarterback situation a little bit there. Obviously, they have a situation where they're not quite sure exactly who's going to be their starting quarterback. I guess from the Kansas perspective, do you think it changes much one way or the other, depending on which which quarterback they go with, of how KU might approach this game defensively? I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, Coach Leipold has, on two occasions in the last 48 hours, hinted that he thinks Plumlee could be coming back. McLean, though, has done an admirable job, and, and they'll be prepared for both. I don't think it, it drastically changes their approach in this regard. Um, they're both capable guys, and they're obviously going to get the ball out of the hands of these backs and receivers, no matter who's back there. Do they mean a little bit more on the run with one compared to the other? Probably, but I don't think it changes Brian Borland's scheme a ton. It's a great question, though. I, I think there's just this concern with what Kansas will bring in that regard, and so it is a bit of a chess match heading in. But um, I, I think this, I think that the Kansas defense at the end of the day last week was not pleased with the final numbers. And uh, even though largely a lot of that wasn't their fault based on how much they were forced to go right back out there, they know that there's things they could have done to get off the field quicker too. And so 
I, I think that stuck in their crawl. I, I think there's there's real motivation on the defensive side to come back at home and make a statement and, and get back to uh, you know the, the types of plays we were seeing the previous weeks heading in. So this could be a big statement game. Everybody's looking to see the offense take a step forward, but I, I think the defense could as well. And I'm not saying they get two defensive scores like they did in their previous home game or anything quite like that, but I, I, I could see – uh, so some major momentum early created by that side of the ball that hopefully gives your offense a little bit of a kickstart in case they need it uh, coming off their, their most challenging performance of the season. We're talking with Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Other side of the ball, Jason Bean um, could be the start. I mean, Brett McMurphy had a report earlier today that that's going to be the case. We'll see if that ends up being true or not for KU. Uh, but but how do things change based on if it's Jalen Daniels or if it is Jason Bean? Does it change at all to you? And how do you see the KU offense matching up with that UCF defense? I think this, if it, if it comes to that, Jason's had a week in which he's been given way more reps in practice. He's had way more time to process and, and know that, that he could be the guy heading into Saturday, if indeed that's the case as opposed to finding out 30 minutes before kickoff and being thrust into the situation where, sure, every QB2 knows he's one snap away, right? We always say that. It's almost cliche. But it's, it's a little different when you get that sprung on you right before kickoff at number 3 Texas in the biggest game of the year, as opposed to in the flow of the game, somebody goes down and then you're just kind of trying to make it work. In this case, he's had all week to, to get the bulk of the reps. He's had all week to think this could be a possibility if indeed it comes to pass. I think that puts him in a much better state of mental preparedness. And more specifically, it gives Andy Kotelnicki, to your point, a chance to tailor make some things that, that might be a little bit more uh, accentuating his strengths and playing to his specific gifts if that's going to be the case. And who knows? But. But that's, that's definitely something that uh, you know, you've had more time to, to process and prepare for, some ways to get him into a rhythm early. I think this, I, I think Jason Bean's the type of guy that, that if he does move the chains early and have some nice completions down the field, he can settle in and, and he can be you know, a really serviceable and, quite frankly, super exciting, talented quarterback for us to go to battle with. But he's got to have some good things happen early for him. And if you think back to the Texas game, that drop by Trevor Wilson at midfield, that might have been the second drive of the game, the second punt that was forced. I mean, he's still running if he makes that catch. And, and who knows what happens, you know, with, with Jason's confidence and all that. So I would look for Kansas to come out with some intermediate throws to establish him early. I would look for Kansas to, to lean on the ground game, but also you know, the option pitch game where you get his speed on the edge a little bit more at play. Maybe you have some design runs to really turn him loose. And for all the talk about the UCF speed this week, we get to see Kansas come back and, and showcase one of the fastest players in the league that happens to be on our roster, if that's the case. But I know this as well. I, I know they're still working with Jalen uh, around the clock, trying to get him ready and available. So who knows what Saturday's going to bring. I just think that Jason Beam will be in a much more uh, prepared headspace, and Andy Kotelnicki will have had way more time than 20 minutes to, to think about how to showcase him if it comes to that. And those two factors combined, I think, put you in a much more formidable place to compete and possibly win, as opposed to a you know, last-second curveball that I don't think anybody saw coming a week ago. So that, 
that, that to me, I, I think to answer your question, Derek, puts Kansas in a much, much better spot if indeed that's the case. To your point on Jason Bean with him maybe being able to catch fire at times, do you think that puts some heightened importance on KU starting this game quickly on the offensive side and getting off to a, a positive start early on in the game? I think it does no matter who your quarterback is, but especially if it's a guy that um, you know probably doesn't have some of the intangibles that, that Jalen has in terms of J- Jalen can just I feel like he can make something out of nothing better than anybody, not just on our roster, but in the league. Uh, with with Jason, his skill set's a little different, and you'd like to see some things go according to plan. You'd like to see those first 10 to 15 scripted plays, move chains, score points, get the momentum going, let the rhythm start to settle in. Uh, sometimes the best plays that Jalen brings are on broken plays, and Jason can certainly do that too, make no mistake. But but I think that you know what sets him at ease and, and sets our offense in motion under him is if you know they're able to get some design plays really start to click and allow him to, uh, to to run through the progressions and find where the ball needs to go, as opposed to some of the the Jalen magic that just appears out of thin air. But I, I do think that we're so lucky to have him. And speaking to the fan base now, not just talking to you guys, let's get behind this guy if he is the guy on Saturday. And and you know who knows with the, the tenuous nature of the back injury, how much we're leaning on Jason versus Jalen these next seven games. I don't think anybody would have thought when he first came back to Kansas last winter that five games in he would have started 40% of our games at this point. But what a what a blessing that turned out to be for us. What a coup for Kansas. I've said this before on the show, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but in the day and age of the portal where in most cases, when you lose the quarterback battle, whether it's in the spring or fall camp, a lot of guys are looking for greener pastures and are looking to check out and move on. The fact that he accepted the QB2 role, not knowing how many starts that would lead to, and accepted the fact that, that hey, I want to be a part of, of what is being built under Lance Leipold here and stick this out, not go to my third school in six years, but finish a Jayhawk, finish what we started, leave with a better taste in my mouth, we're so lucky to have him. And I know fans would be frustrated if, if you don't see the, the optimal version every single time. You don't see the Oklahoma State version every single time, and, and they'll want to be frustrated. But he was put in a really difficult spot last week. And, and I shudder to think where we would be if we didn't have Jason Dean, especially after Ethan Vasco left the program for Coastal Carolina. To have a guy that's in his sixth year that has that kind of upside, and you might not like every decision or the placement of every throw, but let me tell you, not many teams in the country have a guy at QB2 as good as we have. And so if he's the guy on Saturday, like Brett McMurphy apparently is reporting, or if he's the guy in eventual Saturdays down the line, man, let's, let's rally around this guy. Let's, let's be glad we've got him. And, and you watch. I think with the right support and game plan, if he had to play multiple games, they can win multiple games with a QB as good as Jason. He just needs to get that rhythm and routine going and, and feel supported and, and uh, be in stride with play calling down to the 10 guys around him, and we can win with this guy. But, but here's hoping that Jalen's healthy real soon, too, maybe even as soon as Saturday. They're working around the clock to make that possible. I'm just saying Jalen is, is truly elite. But Jason's pretty damn special, too, and we should be really glad and grateful that we've got them both. 
Well, before we let you go, it's also late night in the fog on Friday night. Uh, what are you kind of looking forward to with that event, and, and what's going to be your role in everything? Well, I, I've, I've talked to Flo Rida about possibly <laughs> having some kind of you know, riffing back and forth freestyle-wise for the umpteenth consecutive year. My request has been denied. You know, 2 chains, Shaq, all these guys uh, have, have basically turned me down. They, they don't know, you know, mm. what I can bring. Well, and maybe they, they're just they afraid. They, they don't want to get, maybe, you know, maybe. yeah, they don't want to get Wally Pitt. You know, I, I, exactly. Because folks that listened to this show 20 years ago know that me and Scotty Novosel used to freestyle a little bit long before he was, uh, you know, a uh, platinum record selling artist over in Japan with his Japanese rap career. But I, I've tried, you know, and, and, you know, even some of the more local acts have, have turned me down. So I guess I'm just going to have to stick to the basketball play by play. We'll have the, uh, the men scrimmage for you, and I don't think we'll have any rhyming there, but we'll certainly have some highlight reel material to work with. And the best part of doing play-by-play of late night is not only do you get the brilliance of Greg Gurley on the color analysis, but it's the only time all year you get Bill Self's color analysis. So, in truth, I just try to get out of the way and add a couple of names and descriptions here and there and, and just turn those guys loose and letting them talk about everything they're seeing and let coach share his early season, preseason impressions on each and every guy as they're making plays. But it's, it's a fun night. It's also funny though, because he'll be trying to, to deliver analysis, if you want to call it that. And then somebody will, you know, make an errant pass, fails into the second row or not box out or, or, you know, not be where they needed to be on defense. And all of a sudden, you know, without even knowing it, he flips the switch into coach mode. And he goes from making a really articulate analytical description to, oh, come on, man, what are you doing here? You know, and it's in those moments that Greg and I just kind of chuckle and, and, and let coach be coach because that's, that's what he does best. But we'll have that for you on ESPN Plus and KDAthletics.com. And we'll have two separate broadcasts, one for the women's, uh, scrimmage with, with Stephen and David on the call, and then one with Greg and I on the call. But the good news is you get Coach Brandon and Coach Self as that third voice on each. So tune in for those. And then if anything changes, and it really is going down for real with me and Flo Rida, I'll let you guys know first that, that I'm going to run out there with him. But as of now, I, I keep getting denied year in and year out. And, uh, man, I, I don't know what it's going to take to break the streak, but one of these acts is going to finally come through. I, I've, I've got a feeling. Yeah, just keep cracking at it. You never know. It just takes one. Just takes one. That's all you need. Well, Brian, I appreciate the time as always, man. And uh, before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller. That's right. Just as uh, Lance Leipold has his game plan for UCF, Nate Miller wants to work a game plan for you for your most profitable and secure financial future. Check it out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. I've had a chance to get to know Nate, not just in the investment realm, but through philanthropy. And he does so much for local causes. Genuinely really good dude, but he also knows his stuff. So check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. Thanks as always, guys. Have great calls tomorrow on your respective high school games, and we'll look forward to talking again next week. All right, that's Brian Haney. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. That was Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Hear him on the call on Saturday. Crimson and Blue Show starts at 1.30 after our pregame show, Big Mill, from 12.30 to 1.30, and then the uh, kickoff set for 3 o'clock here on KLWN and 105.9 KISS. Uh, we're going to take a time out here. One hour down, two to go. We've got a fun game, Texas State Fair food item 
or something else. Uh, we also have lie detector tests coming up. We have plenty of KU football audio coming at you from Brian Borland to Andy Kotelnicki to some more KU football player audio with uh, Dominic Pooney. And we'll share that all for you coming up through the rest of the show. We also have High School Sports Weekly later tonight, 6 to 7 o'clock, right here on KLWN out at Mama's Tamale Shop. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depending on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN. We'll get to our lie detector test coming up in our next segment. We're going to be out of Big Mill this Saturday, and uh, we're going to have our live KLWN KU tailgating show from 1230 to 130 before Crimson and Blue Show. Kiss Crew is going to be at Big Mill from 1230 to 230. We're going to have some tickets for the Oklahoma game, not the UCF game, but uh, for the Oklahoma game, so the next home Which, game. That's homecoming, by the way. That's right. So- Definitely like be three weeks. a big game. That's right. Your Oklahoma will be ranked. Kansas might have a chance to be if they win mm-hmm. their next two games. So definitely a big game. Yeah. So we're going to be giving away some tickets for that. We are going to be giving away t-shirts, gift cards, and we have all sorts of stuff from Grandstand. And uh, you're not going to want to miss because Grandstand has given us all sorts of awesome stuff. we got like mini footballs and all sorts of other great stuff we're giving away. You just spin our prize wheel. Grandstand's been making customized gear since 1988 including for some of the coolest branded items for craft beverage brands glasses uh shirts hats giveaways you name it they can do it if you're looking for customized gear check out grandstand you can go to egrandstand.com but if you're also looking for a job they're hiring right now they're a great place to work they're right here in lawrence you don't have to worry about a long commute and the process is that cool blend of personal skill mixed with top-of-the-line technology, so it's not a surprise that everything they make is top, top quality. On top of all that, they have an air-conditioned production floor, an on-site gym with personal trainers, company events, and great salary and benefits packages. Plus, you get to help grow craft beer and spirits brands. So check them out at egrandstand.com careers to learn more. That's the letter egrandstand.com careers. All right, Nick, uh, it's been a little bit since we've played one of these games. And, uh, you know, maybe you yes. retired for a few years. Now you're back for another job. Yep. Pulled a, pulled a Bill Snyder, left and came back. Yeah, but um, instead of being at a Power 5 school, you're at a group of five school. So, what? You know. I thought I was a, I thought I was oh, doing a group of that. five, man. You're like an AAC, so you're in the next level up. Um, here's your overall resume. In 11 seasons, you've got 97 and 51. That's pretty good. Yeah, about eight and a half. Eight to nine wins a year, you know, four to five losses a year. You've gone six and five in bowl games. So you've made a bowl every year. Or is that right? I don't think that's right. Did I, I, think, I think I missed it. a bowl one year. I think it. Uh, that's considering the year where you went, went in the, the playoff. playoff and it counted yeah. the two bowl wins. So yeah, yeah, there was one year where you missed a bowl. Uh, you have four conference titles. You've not won a non-con or, or a conference title in a group of five yet, though. You do have the one college football playoff title, which was an asterisk with your one appearance. <laughs> it was not an asterisk. Uh, last season you did this. I you were eight and five. A legit national champion. Okay. Oh, you were kind of stalling out though at eight and five because your last three seasons you were twenty four and fifteen. That is an average of eight and five, which was your exact record last season. Okay. Yeah. No, we're we're back. We're so back. We're dialed in. You're sort of back into good. it, but the fans are kind of hesitant. Like this is a retread. You know what? Better do screw well the fans. I'm gonna do. Wow. I'm gonna do me. Okay. Now you're on the hot seat because you said screw the fans. Now the fans don't like the you. The fans just need to understand the donations. That are I am doing my in. best here. Okay. Okay. So, right, so uh, the game we're know, playing today. Fans can chill out. The Texas State Fair is this weekend, and that always is is a fun kind of side event that's going on during yeah. and around the KU Oklahoma game that's happening the in Texas Dallas. Game. 
Exactly. You said KU. Oh, I did. Uh, yeah, the Texas. Yeah, Texas Oklahoma uh, in the Texas State Fair, and they always have a, a bunch of like weird food. Hey, what do they call that Texas Oklahoma game, by the way? I don't know, and I don't want to know. Red River or something. Because <laughs> remember, they changed Red, it again. Red this River off- Shootout, Red River Rivalry, Red River Game. Oh, now it's the All State Red River Rivalry. Ah, all right. Oh yes, so and I can't forget the All State part. All State. Yeah. So it used to be the Red River. I think it used to be the. Sh- Shootout. So it was the, the shootout. Red River Shootout, alternatively the Red River Rivalry, or the Red River Showdown. Yeah, I remember Showdown. And it's kind of gone back and forth. They've had different sponsorships. So uh, the game was uh, Red River Shootout. And then in 2005, it was SBC Communications, the SBC Red River Rivalry. Oh, I hate that. Um, then the following year, uh, it was the AT&T Red River Rivalry in 2014. It became okay. the AT&T Red River Showdown. Okay. And now, once again, it is changing. At it, at, I've already forgotten what it is. The All-State <laughs> Red River Rivalry. Okay. There we go. Uh, anyway, uh, they have a bunch of crazy foods at Texas State Fair. So I'm going to play a game. Okay. Texas State Fair concession food or not. Ah. So it's either I, I made determined. it up okay. okay, or it's there. Gotcha. Make sense? Yeah. Very easy. You got to tell me which one it is. No, I feel good about this. All right. First up, okay. raw blowfish. That's that can't be a food. <laughs> I'm saying no. Blow blowfish? Mm-hmm. Raw blowfish? First of all, Not where do you even blowfish, get that from? Raw blowfish. Where do you even get that from? I understand you get it from the ocean, but like what how? I'm saying wrong. You're saying wrong. It's saying no it's food. Not, not, not at the a, Texas State Fair. Not a State Fair food. You are correct. Okay. All right. I would have had serious concerns about the state of society if that wasn't. Well, that was supposed to be your easy game, week one. Okay. Right, well, I got two. it right. So you there did. you go. Good job. Yeah. Week two, fried cheese steak balls. Mm. I will uh, give you a hint. There are going to be a lot of fried things on here. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I don't understand. How is it? When you when I hear the term cheesesteak, I'm thinking cheesesteak sandwich, right? Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Okay. So how do you turn that into a ball? Could you just like use a, a melon baller on a sandwich and then fry no. it? No. I don't know. No, you could not do that. Why? Because Texas it's a sandwich. You can do whatever you want. No, it's a sandwich, not a melon. No. So I have questions about the logistics of this. I'm going to say that this is not a state fair food. Fried cheesesteak ball is a real food at the Texas State Fair. Dude, that's so dumb. How do you get it into a ball to fry it? I don't know. Like I said, maybe you just melon ball it. fry it first and then ball it? Or maybe, maybe I don't know. Does the wh- Which came first, the ball or the fry? Or the fry. <laughs> I think the ball. The ball. Okay, uh, week three, your one and one, your last non-con game. Chicken cinnamon rolls. Mm. That's an interesting combination. I feel like people try to combine cinnamon rolls with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, in the Midwest, most famously, cinnamon rolls and chili. Right. Right. But not actually combined. You no, I know. You just eat them together. Yes. So, but, you know, people combine chicken with other breakfast foods, chicken and waffles. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. Right? So sure. why wouldn't chicken and cinnamon rolls be pretty good? Okay. I'm, I'm thinking this is a state fair food. I All think right. it is. It is not a state fair food. <laughs> I was inspired by this one because they had like, it was like sausage cinnamon rolls or something like that. Uh, okay. uh, but they do not have chicken cinnamon rolls. So uh, not I would a good maybe, I would maybe try that, to be honest. I would. I would yeah, I think I would. I would uh, you were one and two, but maybe yeah, you're, you're, at a, you're at a group of five school. Maybe you just played a couple play of Bama. games. Yeah, right? you play Bama. You know, you had, had play, the, the worst team. You know, Oregon. But as you're trying to work your way back to power five, this does not speak well on you that it's like, oh, I couldn't compete with the big boys. Listen. Yeah, if you want to be the best, you got to play the best. Okay. Okay? That's what I'm doing. All right. Well, you're on to a conference part of the season. Week four, fried lasagna. 
Oh, that's got to be a state fair food, I feel like. I mean, that's like one of the first things I would think to fry. <laughs> Lasagna. <laughs> Drop a... <laughs> Give me, give me. That's a state fair food. Give it to me. It is a state fair yeah, food. Okay. You can get fried lasagna. Yep. That's a good one. All right, uh, on to week five: fried cacio e pepe. What? Fried pasta, basically. Cacio okay. e pepe. It's like a. I don't know uh, what that is. It's like a uh, uh, elevated mac and cheese. Why don't they just call it fried mac and cheese? Because it's not mac and cheese. Cacio e pepe is different. What? What makes it different? Because it's more elevated. Can you or spell? Elevated. Cacio e Pepe form. Yeah, because I have it written down. No, but I, I actually, I learned first of Cacio e Pepe. I watched it on a uh, food show about a, a year or two ago. Okay. And uh, it was one of I've those things where I, was like, where I was like, oh, that looks so good. I have to try that. I still have not like been to an Italian restaurant that has it, mm. that I've seen it. But Yeah, uh, I mean, I've, I've literally never heard of it. No, it's just, That's it's why just I'm basically, questioning, it's elevated mac and cheese. I just think look it up, Cacio e Pepe. I'm questioning if you just made it up. Okay. <laughs> That's your prerogative. So I'm two and two. I, I kind of need this W, though. Yeah. I'll I'll go with this actually being a state fair food, I think. It is a state okay. fair food. Yeah, I think Fried I think the, I think you were trying to trick, trick me there. So I dodged a bullet. That I was think this would be really good, to be honest. That was a trap. I'm I'm mildly intrigued, but I don't feel like your description really does it justice. Well, I, I don't again, I haven't really had it. I've just seen it before and it looks really good. Okay, week okay. six. Ghost pepper chocolate cake. This one, I think, my initial lean is that it is a state fair food because I just feel like this is something where they would make it some kind of challenge where they're just going to add ghost peppers to a bunch of Dude, random. Dude, Texans food. love spice. I know. Though. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking this might so be. You get your like butt burning hot sauce, you know? <laughs> they do have crazy names. Crazy names. Uh, I think this is. I'm going to say this is a state fair food. This is not a state oh, fair my. food. Dude, That's your first conference on. loss. You are now three and three at the midway point. What are we doing? Fans are mad. You called them out I'm before mad. the season, and now you're three and three. I'm mad. They're not happy. What is what's going on? All right, week seven, fried pumpkin pie. Oh, mm. it's October. Yep. What do you do in October? Eat pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie for Halloween. Now, and, are you worried at all? Does the pumpkin pie the, because the the pumpkin part of the pumpkin pie is a little fragile? Would it hold up in the fryer? That's a good question. I mean, okay. Like if I you would, put whipped cream in well, a fryer, what's going to happen? It's just going to dissipate? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think at this point, all hands are off when it comes to any fried. I feel like whatever, even if you try to think that it's not possible, it's possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows, right? I it's feel like fried butter, a, I guess. Hey, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You can fry anything, yeah. and it stays together. I think this is I think this is a state fair food. Give it to me. It is a state uh, fair no. food. You can get some fried pumpkin pie. I bet you that's pretty good. All right, I don't know that I, honestly, I don't know that I would try five. Oh, I'd pie. try it for sure. You think so? Yeah. Week eight, ramen hoagie. <laughs> so, I'm I'm confused. Okay. Those are two like very very vastly different things. That's right. So how do you put them together? You just <laughs> what do you mean? Just put it together. I don't know. <laughs> like what? But like a hoagie, that's a bun, right? Or like a roll. Well, a hoagie is like a type of sandwich, but yeah, it is a type of roll as well. So. How do you make a sandwich with ramen? You just put ramen on it, right? But it's like, but ramen inherently, like, it's it's gonna fall out of it. I guess possible. What if it's you know what just what if it just tastes like you're eating ramen, but it's in the sandwich? So what's what's in the sandwich? I don't know. Just different like spices that you would put in ramen. Like maybe there's chicken in it. Maybe there's the the what is it like chives that you would have in it. There's like no the, because the chicken's been marinated in ramen. Not, not, 
I don't know. That doesn't even make sense. Maybe spice. I don't know. This one, I have a hard time. I'm having a very difficult time envisioning what this looks like. I think this is not a safe air food. That's my answer. Okay. It is not a okay. safe air food. That makes you sense. You're correct. Yes. All right. You're five Dude, and you three. I mean, that isn't even... Like, that just... No. That doesn't work. You just put ramen on a sandwich. No. See because you need, no, because the noodles will just fall out. Have you ever had, like, a mac and cheese burger? Where they put, like, mac and cheese on the burger? That's different. The ramen noodles, the, the cheese from the mac and cheese would coagulate to make it stay together. What? The ramen does not do that. What kind ramen of mac and cheese are you eating? Okay, five and three, Dude, four and one nice, on the season. thick mac and cheese. Are you just, like, putting, like, expired milk into your mac and... What? Anyway. No. Right. Week nine. Dude, no. Fried coffee. <laughs> okay. This doesn't seem real. How can okay. it be? How do you fry coffee? You just fry it. What, uh, what, what do you mean you just fry it? Put it, in the, put it in the fryer. And then do what? Eat it or drink it? I, I don't know which one you would do. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It doesn't even make sense. How is it even possible? I mean, you'd have to... Now, I understand if maybe there's like some sort of process where you I mean, fry, fry the coffee ice cream. Beans. Oh, I no, guess it could be fried. You fry coffee the coffee beans, beans huh? and then somehow use that to make the coffee, and then you get. But what would that? That surely would that would, would just not be taste. Coffee. Well, and surely it wouldn't taste it very good. It would just be coffee with chunks of fried batter in it. Which, or, yeah. or it would be, you know, I don't know. So that doesn't even sound like it would be appetizing at all. I, I have. I don't know. I feel like this might actually be a state fair food, but I'm going to say it's not. You're going to say it's not? I'm going to say is? it's not. Okay. It is a state okay, fair food. No, I knew that one. It is Vietnamese coffee specifically that they are frying. Yeah. Do I know how? No. I'm almost assuming it's going to be like fried ice cream where you get the ice cream so frozen that it can withstand a short period in the fryer. But like, so what do you do? You eat it? I don't know. So it's like, you a, it it's like it. you, you take a stick of coffee, like you take a stick of butter, but it's coffee. <laughs> it's like frozen coffee. Dunk it maybe. in. And then, but again, what do you do? You eat it? I don't understand. I knew I knew I was gonna get that one wrong. By the way, mm. I knew it. I should have just yeah, idiot. Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. So what am I? I'm six and four now. No, you're five and four. You're okay, four and two in conference play. Uh, on to week ten, potato milkshake. <sighs> I mean, the problem here is like me personally. This sounds disgusting. I don't think I would ever even come anywhere near trying this. <laughs> Why? You like but, potatoes, right? No, okay. This goes back to a, an age-old thing that I say. If you like two foods separately, that does not inherently mean that you are going to like them put together. Okay? Okay. This is a great example of that. I like potatoes. I like fries. I like, you know, things with potatoes. I like ice cream. I like milkshakes. But that does not mean that I want or need a potato milkshake. In fact, I don't want that. The thought of it makes me sick. So I hope this isn't one. I'm going to say it's not. It is not. Okay, there we go. All right. Yeah. Two, two, six and four on the season. Say, and five and two in the conference. Again. All right, week 11. Churios. Churios? Yes. Not Cheerios. So, churros, but Cheerios. No. What? Churros with Oreos. Oh. Combine it and we'll call it a Churio. Okay. So a churro on its own, I, it, that's like a fried Mexican. Thing, yes. Right. I yeah. don't know what it is. Cinnamon exactly. twisty Mexican delicious pastry thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think this is a state fair food. That makes total sense to mm -hmm. me. It I mean, does. why wouldn't you just so slap some Oreos? That you, oh wait, was that your answer? <laughs> uh, wait. 
<laughs> Wait a second. I'll stick with that as my answer. Yeah. Okay, it is a real state. Okay, okay, field. there we go. Got it right. Uh, you got the win. You are now six and two in conference play. You have to there win this next one to be playing for your your cruddy what? conference. Six and three is not good enough. No, not this year, dude. Conference is good. What? All right, week twelve. Cotton Candy Rita. <laughs> so presumably, this is a margarita, margarita with cotton, cotton candy. candy as flavoring. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have like sugar real, on the rim as opposed to like salt. This just a real thing normally. But is that the Texas State Fair? I don't know. Is that a real thing normally? I feel like it would be. Dude, they make margaritas with a lot of stuff. Okay. A lot of weird stuff. A lot of random stuff. <sighs> so um, my overall record is, what, 7-4, seven seven and 6-2 four, four. and two in conference play. So I need this pretty bad. You do. I think it is a state fair food. It is a state fair food, and you are going to your group of five. There we go, baby. Eight and four, you're not going to make a New Year's Six Bowl, but, you know, that's okay. You're still going to your conference championship, trying to win your first conference championship. Taking Uh, on Western Kentucky. That's right. So you'll have this one, and then you'll have a uh, bowl game. I have three options to go with here. All right. You're on the clock. Ready? Yeah. Deep fried cheesecake and steak sandwich. You gave this one. No, I did not. What did you give earlier? I Not this. Yes, you did. What are you deep talking? Deep fried cheesesteak balls. That no, was your first one. That was cheese steak. This is deep fried cheesecake and steak sandwich. What? <laughs> what? Che- you realize cheesecake and cheese steak like, are different things, correct? Yes, but okay. I feel like you just closed your eyes and randomly pointed <laughs> to a bunch of random crap and said, let's make it into deep fried something. Okay, then it's not real. I think it's not real. Okay. That is the correct answer. That is not okay. a real one. Dude. You, right. you tried too hard on that one. Nine and four. You won that a was conference an easy, championship. Easy conference. You're into a pretty good bowl game. You're you're one of those bowl games where you're a group of five team where you're playing like a six and six power five team. Yeah. But yeah. you know seven and five. Chance to beat a power five. I'm playing seven and five Iowa. Yes. Yeah. All right, here you go. Alfredo ice cream empanada. <laughs> this again feels like you just closed your eyes and pointed to a bunch of random crap and said, let's make it into something. Does it not? It does, yeah. Did you eat this? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. I might give it a try. I don't no, know. you would not. I like don't Alfredo. Lie. I like empanadas. Go to no, Molly no, Shop tonight. No, I like ice cream. No, you do not have to lie and say that you would try this. I don't think this is a real thing. I don't think this is at the state fair. <laughs> this is not at the okay. state fair. B- bowl game victory. Good job. Woo! And you won your final five games. Woo! So now your your expectations next year that you uh, make a New Year's Six Bowl. Bang. Be ready for that. High expectations next year, otherwise you get fired. Baby. They will not fire me. Maybe. They'll build me a statue. All right, we got a lie detector test coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. A lot on the lie detector test today, so we're going to get right into it with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on RCST. Uh, Basically, what we do, we have different quotes from different people, uh, companies, organizations, coaches, players, whatever, and determine if they're lying or not. First up, Kirby Smart. Okay. Head coach for Georgia. Sure. Person, I personally think every SEC team should be ranked. I can guarantee you there are some teams that don't want to play them that are ranked. Dude, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm saying the same damn thing. When I got a schedule as soft as Georgia, please rank everybody so that my schedule doesn't look like it's the worst schedule ever. No, this makes total sense. Rank Vanderbilt. Rank, yeah, rank Kentucky. Vander- I know rank Vanderbilt Florida. lost rank by all of 16 everybody. at Wake Forest and lost by three to UNLV, but they got to be ranked. I mean, dude, man. seriously. Because, like, 
the, think about it. The average fan bias is you look at somebody's schedule. Oh, they got they got seven ranked teams on the schedule. They must they must have played a tough schedule. Yes, mm-hmm. come on, Kirby Smart. This is genius. Rank everybody. Yeah, I mean South Carolina lost handily to North Carolina, but they do have the win over Furman. So, so this you know, is rank Kirby up. Smart speaking his truth, but also he's an idiot and he's wrong. Yes, this is uh, 100% wrong. The only question is, does he actually believe this? I think he might because his team sucks and they keep playing other SEC teams close. So he's like, well, geez, if we're number one and we if these other teams are playing close to us, then maybe they should be ranked. But it's I actually guess. because he just sucks. Yeah, like Auburn, who they just beat, like, I don't know, man. We rank in Auburn because they beat UMass and barely won at Cal and beat Samford. Like, what? <laughs> and then they lost by 17 day. And, no, like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> Um, so, no, no, this is obviously a lie, but I don't know. He might actually believe it to be true. Okay, McDonald's is having a uh, lie detector test situation here because they have announced that the McRib will return this November. Yeah, so Do you not am I not mistaken mistaken in saying that when they brought the McRib back last year, they said it was gone forever? It was never coming back? That's what they said. So what happened? They lied. I said this at the time. You told me you were like, no, it's for sure going away. And I said at the time, I said, no, this well, is I just, just a marketing ploy to I know, get people to I know, it's not my them. fault. I just believe McDonald's. Them. Well, now you'll and never believe them have, again. I should you not have, have believed McDonald's because clearly they just lied. Yes. Clearly they just lied and that it was just a marketing ploy. Are you a McRib for, guy? I've honestly never had one. Wow. I might like it. I might not. I don't wow. know. I've never had one. My grandpa loved really? McRibs. Loved them. So every time they have come back. I've had one, yeah. Good. It's fine. Okay. But every time they come back, I get at least one in honor of my grandpa. Oh, love him so that's much. nice. Well, uh, maybe fan. I'll give one a try in honor of your grandpa, too. Uh, but McDonald's clearly was lying, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, lie detector test for NASA, who plans to build houses on the moon by 2040. The homes will both be for astronauts and ordinary civilians, according to the New York Times. <laughs> so, do you remember when, in like the 1970s, People were like, wow, we're going to have flying cars by 2000. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. You know what year it is? It's 2023. You see any flying cars? No, I sure don't. So in what universe do you think that in the next 17 years, we're going to get to Mars and build houses? (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I have no doubt that NASA wants to build houses on Mars because that's just what we do. We think about building on other planets. But it's not going to happen in the next 17 years until 2040. So this is a lot. You just have no chance. Yeah, no. There's no way this happens in the next 17 years. I mean, dude, you realize that with our current technology, it takes like many months just to get from the Earth to Mars. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think this is a lie. It's a, it's a, I guess it's not quite a lie because they're hopeful they probably, probably. think. Yeah, they probably think they can but it, or that just, they will. Readjust your expectations, buddy. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Take a look in the mirror. All right, uh, the Travis-Kelsey-Taylor Swift relationship, is it a lie? There uh, was this conspiracy going around the other day that this is actually just a staged relationship. They're not actually in a relationship. That the NFL is doing this for more (laughs) viewers. And that there was uh, somebody who posted this picture of um, content that the NFL was releasing over the summer from the different teams where it was like, they were asking all the different players or stuff like, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? And then on top of that, every one of the uh, tour stops for Taylor Swift this past year was in NFL stadiums. Derek, let me ask you something. 
How big are NFL stadiums? Very big. How popular is Taylor Swift? Very popular. So why wouldn't you go to the biggest stadium that you can play in to get the most sell the most tickets? This is the yeah. dumbest theory I've no, ever heard in my entire that. life. Yeah, because of course Taylor Swift is right. gonna play in NFL stadiums because they hold the most people. Like, yeah, it's like, like what? What? what like, I just I can't even wrap my brain around how stupid that is. No, it's like you think she's gonna play at Rock Chalk Park in, tw- in front of twenty five hundred people? No, like, she's no, gonna go she's play gonna go at Arrowhead Stadium right? where you can cram sixty thousand people yes, in there. Exactly. This no, is the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So yeah, so the relationship is not a lie. I do believe that the relationship is real. The conspiracy this theory is, the dumbest, is a lie. Yes. No, 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 no. Okay, listen. I'm fine People with that. People are trying to theories. get into the fact of like, oh, it's clear the NFL is rigged. Like the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. They're just trying to do this. I to Taylor am Swift. fine like, with a good conspiracy theory. Put a tinfoil hat on occasionally and knock yourself out. But to try to conspiracyize this situation <laughs> with Taylor Swift playing at NFL stadium, all NFL stadiums, is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because of course she's going to play at those stadiums. They have the most people. She's trying to sell the most tickets. It has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. All right, uh, so, yeah, uh, the conspiracy is a lie. All right, Andy Reid, head coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, said, we have a couple of young guys that we're bringing along, but I think they're doing a pretty good job in regard to the receiver concerns. He later added that the team is rotating a lot of players and receivers, and no one has received an extreme amount of, you know, the targets or the playing time or anything. He followed up and said that he's satisfied with the receiver production and is not interested in bringing other players in via trade or otherwise. (laughs) Okay, well, first of all, could this be how a lie could you to possibly to... be satisfied with the wide receiver yeah, production? For the that Chiefs? part, I don't believe. He is not satisfied to this point. Could I mean, your top three lie, receivers though, in snaps against the Jets had like 0, 5, and 11 yards. Right. Could this be a lie to try to boost the confidence of the team? To, to make them feel like, hey, you but don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder? It's such an egregious lie that who on the team's buying it? I don't know. I mean, they haven't... <sighs> I, the the I spin guess, zone I you could make here is that... He's if, not lying about the part about not trading for a receiver, but okay. leaving the door open for trading for Kyle Pitts. Oh, okay. So like a tight end or something? Yeah. Or running back, maybe? No, don't not trade for they running really back. Need one. Pacheco don't tra- looks no. good. Yeah, don't trade for running back. I Honestly, they could probably use a different backup running back, but that's a story for another day. Derek uh, McKinnon. Yeah, I, I'd be cool with that, but it seems like that's not what they want to do, so, <laughs> you know. No, they just love it's like, it's like, Clyde. Uh, they it's love like, Clyde. Do you remember in the movie Moneyball and yes. uh, the manager refuses to play one of their players at first base? The, the player that the GM, the Billy Bean, is like, play him at first base. And he's like, no, I'm going to play Carlos Pena. Okay. And so then what his response is, is he trades away Carlos Pena. So he has to play the guy he wants to play at first base. Okay. What if Brett Veach does that? So like, Andy, you're not allowed to play Clyde Edwards-Alaire anymore. We're trading him for a seventh-round pick, oh. and then we're going out and we're acquiring this other running back, you know? I don't know. That's a story for another day. I, yeah, no, I, I do not think this is a lie. I don't think they are going to trade for a receiver. Yeah, I don't think so either, because I don't know who I don't know who they would trade for, and if, if whoever they would trade for, hypothetically, is going to move the needle enough for me to say that's a good trade. Yeah. So just don't do it. All right, uh, another Andy on lie detector test. Andy Katz for uh, the, I don't know who he officially works for, the NCAA or, or something like that. He released his basketball. top 10 wings in the nation. And I. this list is like, it blows my mind in a lot of it's, different it's ways. It's all over the place. Uh, uh, one is Tristan De Silva. Two is John L. Davis, who's like a point guard for Florida Atlantic. <laughs> Grant Nelson, who, uh, he's more of like a power forward, but I guess you can stretch that and say he's a small forward, whatever. Jameson Battle. Tyler Wall, he's a power forward for Wisconsin. <laughs> Harrison Ingram, I guess he wants to play that this year, so that's fine. Tucker DeVries for Drake, like... He's like a shooting guard, which like 
Yeah, he's like a whatever. Six, I, I guess if you want to kiss his guy. forward. Yeah. He's fine, but is he really top seven? I don't know. Trey Mitchell for Kentucky. Again, he's a power forward. Cohen Carr for Michigan State. I don't know who that is. <laughs> and then number 10, you might be wondering, well, where's Kevin McCuller? He's clearly better than a lot of these guys, and he is a wing. <laughs> well, number 10 is a Kansas Jayhawk, so, you know, there you go. No, it is not Kevin McCuller. Number 10 is Johnny Furphy. <laughs> In what world... Does he think Johnny Furphy is going to play like 30 minutes a night and Kevin McCullers is going to be coming off the bench? I'm, What's going on here? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe because he's Australian, he's like, ah, Australian. He'll be good. Uh, Johnny no Furphy idea. might play 10 minutes a night. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. He might play 15, but like, no you're idea. not going to get on the top 10 list. Well, you know, this is the classic, uh, and you've probably seen a lot of this on Twitter, where they just have AI generate a random list. Maybe this is And then everyone that? debates. But it's an AI generated list, so you nobody cares. It is? Yes. All right. Um, all right, uh, last so one. Here. Obviously, lie. LeBron James. Yeah, you got to uh, have LeBron on there. He added the new height show, which is the uh, Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey one. Yeah. And he said, "Crazy, I can't get an invite to join y'all. Fantastic show. Is it because you guys are truly the kings of Northeast Ohio, and I claim to be? Be honest. Seriously, you guys are awesome. This feels like a lot of uh, what? A lot of him coping that he actually thinks he is the king here, but he's joking around and acting like it's them, but deep down he thinks it's him, but it." Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack from that. uh, Okay, crazy. I can't get an invite to join y'all. Fantastic show. Do you think he actually cannot get an invite? I mean, I just don't think that Travis and Jason Kelsey have considered inviting him. No. So it's not that he can't get an invite. It's just they haven't reached out to him. Yeah, they haven't tried. They haven't tried to get him. Yeah, right. Uh, Is it because you guys are truly the kings of Northeast Ohio and I claim to be? I mean, that is kind of factual, to be honest. In my mind, but I don't know. Uh, Seriously, you guys are awesome. Okay, but the insinuation there is that. LeBron's saying he can't get an invite because he because he's not the king when know. they are the king. Well, Travis Kelsey did respond. He uh, said we'd be honored honored to have you bless the show. Yeah, see, this so, is the make this is the key wording here. There's a difference between saying I why can't I get an invite versus it's not that they don't want to invite you. It's just that they never considered inviting. You, you know what I mean? Or never thought they could invite you, mm-hmm. right? So it's like if you if you if you don't get invited to a party. But nobody ever thought about inviting you. Well, it's like then it's not it's not that you yeah. can't get an invite. It's just that you yeah. didn't, you, nobody thought about getting an invite. Right. Like I didn't invite Paul Rudd to my birthday party. It's not because <laughs> Paul Rudd wouldn't be invited. Couldn't it's get because an invite. I would have never thought Paul Rudd would have been interested in coming to my birthday party. You know. All right. I think uh, that's fair. Two hours down, one to go. We got some Andy Kotelnicki audio, Dominic Puni audio, and more coming at you. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Don't forget High School Sports Weekly later tonight at six o'clock at Mama's Tamale Shop on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think there'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.